It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Go Bucks! It is 12.05, which means we've officially entered the lunch hour of the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. And that, as always, is brought to us by Colleague Companies Championship. Check them out July 12th through the 16th at the famous Firestone Country Club. It is fun, family-friendly events for everybody, including free admission for kids and concerts every night. Check them out at ColleagueGolf.com. We have our first guest joining us in about 10 minutes, but until then, we have to talk a little Guardians bowling yesterday. After a really good weekend, especially on the mound for the Guardians, it was a disappointing performance from one Cal Quantrill mm. with McKenzie coming back, with Savali yeah. coming back. How hot is his spot in the rotation right I now? I mean, I think at this point, he's the odd man out because Tanner Bybee and Logan Allen have been great. Mm-hmm. Shane Bieber's not going anywhere. He's mm-hmm. been good. Not North great, but he's been good. And Tristan McKenzie, you know, is their best young starter, at least in terms of proven. So he's not going anywhere. So those four guys are a guarantee. So the last spot in the rotation is between Quantrill and Savali. Now, Savali hasn't pitched very well, and then he's been hurt. So I don't know what gonna, the plan is. But Cal Quantrill got absolutely torched yesterday. What do you give yeah. him? Seven runs, I think? Eight? Yeah, seven. Oh, seven. no, seven. seven. I think seven runs. I think it was seven. He he's got, been, yeah, he got hit up good, though. Now, he was their third best pitcher last year, and he did a nice job. But last year's last year. He doesn't he, have much of a track record before last year. And he's been absolutely awful. I think. I yeah, think. Nah, don't do that because he has some games early. What's his ERA, on. Mike? He has some games. It's got to be over five. Where he was pitching seven innings and they was winning. You know, you can't have two good starts and eight bad ones. Now you right. You right. You know? His ERA <laughs> is five sixty one. Yeah, I, I can't throw a pitcher out there when he's got a five sixty one <laughs> ERA. And, and plus, not see, I, I think this is a new age. Like I think, I think. Pitchers have evolved like kind of like quarterbacks have evolved like there's before you would take a guy because you felt like he he had commanded offense or he was a leader or hey, or he was doing but if you God. if you don't got the arm to, to make the throws to get the defense off of off of you you're gonna be in trouble and Cal control control is a nice pitcher. He's a nice middle of the road, but the problem is his stuff is not overbearing. And when you and when, and when you it's not overbearing, that means you got to hit spots. You got to hit different positions and it, it, one inch here, one inch here. When you throw in low 90s, that's that's very hittable. No, you're 100 percent right. He's not a hard thrower. He doesn't do anything great. And young boy, he had good command over. last year. He hasn't had it this year. What did you just put up there? Those stats didn't make any sense. Which one? Sorry, I was looking at something that else. graphic that was just up there. Didn't make it said which was one? that just last night. He gave up eight runs. I thought it was seven. And it said the final score yeah. was four to two on that. Whatever no, that last graphic was. That, that, that's his record. That's Cal Quantrill's record. Oh, okay. It makes sense. Don't, don't come at her like All that. Right, it I'm makes sorry. perfect sense. I mean, I don't give a rat's ass about his record. We, I, I'm, I, I am making a request that we ban all records from any stats. Wow. Because records are irrelevant for pitchers. Irrelevant, completely meaningless. And some people say ERA is too. No, ERA no, is ERA not. ERA means everything. That's the no, ERA does not mean everything because there are advanced statistics that account for. What's your, what's your favorite pitching statistic, Bull? Uh, ER, ERA plus. I like WHIP. Um, ERA plus is good, and um, 
there's another statistic. I can't think of what it's called. There's so many statistics. If you can't think of what it's called, you can't call it your favorite. I know. I was not. <laughs> well, the fans care about the record. The fans want to see, see all this information. There we go. We can't play Let cake fans know. that are being stupid. Let the know. Earl is a man of the people. <laughs> the record's irrelevant. We got to we got to make the fans smarter. We do that by ignoring a win-loss record of a pitcher because so, it's irrelevant. So, Colossae um, having the most saves and most blown is, does it, is irrelevant? No, that's not. That's Saves is different. Than win loss record, uh, those things are relevant and and are telling. Like he's, you know, well, it tells a lot about the team that most of their games are close. That they, they, they don't play a lot of one sided games. He's not pitched that well, even though he has a lot of saves. Because every time they win, they pretty much win by one or two runs, so he gets an opportunity. But the fact that he has the most blown saves is pretty disturbing. He already blown more saves this year than he did all of last year. That 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 I think that's the biggest. Thing for the Guardians. The telltale signs is when you look at them, they never have easy wins. Like, no. can you imagine Not going easy. in there every single game and being like, okay, this is a, a pressure packed. I got to come in and I got to shut people. You come in that with a lot of pressure on the pitchers. So a lot of There's pressure, no doubt, because you feel like you can't let make a mistake. Okay, if somebody get a hit right. and runners on on base, you like dog. That feels like a, a nightmare, and because you know you can't come back and get that right back. Like my dad was always watching the game the other day. He's like, "Yeah, it's, it's the ninth inning. They trying to rally up, but this not you down three. It's not happening. Right for, for other other teams, that's the thing. So I, I look at it. That puts so much stress on you, and is that a, a a formula that you can reproduce? Like I don't think you can. I think with some of those games you're gonna win, like last year, you won a lot of close games. Yeah. The next year, if you play in those same games, you can win a lot. You can lose a lot of those same games. So I, I think that's the that's the most frustrating thing with the Guardians at this point because you you do know that they're gonna play a lot of close games, and sometimes it just yeah. comes down to a hit or, or a miss. <laughs> The stat I couldn't think of, by the way, was FIP. What is that? that? What is that? Fielding independent pitching. It's very complicated. I'm not going to go down deep in that. But ERA plus and FIP give you a better indication of what the pitcher's ERA should be as opposed to what it is. But I think ERA is still meaningful, but I think it's good to look at these other statistics. And if you look at his advanced statistics, they're pretty much just as bad as his ERA. Like his... His FIP's a little better. I'll be honest. I like baseball. I love numbers. It's confusing. FIP, I know. I, I, that is. I couldn't think of what, I couldn't think of it for a second. Yeah, but anyway, his so a FIP is the same number as an ERA. His is four ninety something, so it's a little better. But it's still really bad. He he's been terrible, and I I'd probably give him one more shot. Although McKenzie is in line to pitch when Quantrill would pitch, I would give McKenzie one more start in the minors. Give Quantrill one more start, and if he stinks, take him out. Is it this, this is a this goes to a philosophical question. I was thinking about it um, deep. Yeah, I was in, in my mind. I was the, so in the NBA. I, I think when you, you know we talk about the viability of baseball in, in the you know the popularity of it. Yeah, for, for a lot of people think you know for a lot of people that are fringe guys, they just like watching people hit home runs, right? We love mm-hmm. people. We love it's excitement. The pace we like. <laughs> so in the NBA, they made a conscious decision to go to, to, to offense. They made goaltending uh, illegal. They right. got, gave you a three-point line. They eliminated hand-checking and that. Now scoring's up. The NBA is what it is. Did, has baseball made a conscious effort to make the pitchers the most important people 
or did he just evolve that way? No, I think it just evolved that way. I, I think, if anything, they've tried to do the opposite. I think they want more offense. Uh, the pitching is too dominant at times. There's too many strikeouts. I, 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 I mean, some fans like that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, don't, I can appreciate a good pitcher's duel. And personally, I like the NBA better when it was lower scoring and they played more defense, but I'm in the minority. Mm-hmm. Just like people that prefer pitching and defense, like people, yeah, the majority of fans, especially casual baseball fans, they want to see home runs. You want to see a lot of runs scored. I think, you know, they've messed with the ball over the years, and so we've seen the ball be juiced some years or whatever. Not literally juiced, but just the way it's made, mm-hmm. made it a little easier to hit. But if they wanted to make a significant change to help offense, you could move the mound back or lower the mound. I can't believe what you're saying. <laughs> what? I just said yesterday on my podcast yep. that defense wins championship, and you scolded me. Hey, you were talking about football. We're not talking about football. <laughs> we're talking about baseball. Period. I, I didn't think you'd be a defensive guy. I thought you just was all people. Off but people, I, we, I don't like, we don't shocked. like. We don't like defensive baseball. I like, the, I like defense in every. Sport. I like defensive baseball, but I like high scoring games. I could take. I like a little of both. But in basketball, I preferred the style of the '80s and '90s. Where it was physical, guys beat the crap out of each other. Why? I just found that more exciting for me. It was more it, exciting, it, but it, I, I'm definitely in the minority, so I don't think they should mess. With it me. makes it makes it easier for people with less talent to compete. Like if you think about it, if the Pistons weren't allowed to play that way, they'd never win because they're not as skilled as what, what? some of these other people, Jordan and Pippen and guys like that. They had to make it where, hey, I could be physical and still can be. I could be a Sixers team or Wait a, a Detroit Pistons What team. about football related? You're a defensive guy. You mean like do you like you rather you rather six to three than than sixty three to fifty? Oh, I love high scoring football uh, games. High high score football me. games is where it's at. I'm a defender, but I think they've done they've done a good enough job to, to I make I don't even know who you are. You'd rather know. watch a six three game than thirty five thirty four? Yeah. Because yeah. oh, you gotta play that. perfect. You're definitely in the minority. You on gotta that play one. perfect. McNuggets. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. It is 1215. I got to remind you guys real quickly that if you're not, just hit that like button. If you can't like it, subscribe to the channel. It's free. If you want to do extra, become a member. We appreciate you all. The lunch hour is brought to us by college companies. Championship, check him out, callitgolf.com. And joining us now is Evan Damerel from Locked On Cavs with some uh, potential Jared Allen trade scenarios because he wasn't a fan apparently of the they ones were crushing, we the day. Apparently on their podcast, they were crushing you, Mike. I know. they. I didn't involve any picks in my deals, and, and we'll see Evan in a second. He could explain his deals. They involve some picks, so it's not – not apples to apples, but uh, they weren't a fan of some of my trades. And Evan, let's see what you got then. By the way, has anybody 
figure it out if we got the uh, the bone out of Donovan Mitchell's throat after choking in the playoffs? <laughs> Wait, is everybody is everybody saying that we should one thousand percent trade Jared Allen? Everybody's off the no, Jared Allen. No, I don't think so. You want to trade Jared Allen, Evan? You want to trade him? No. What could you really. get for him? See, that's a great question because we we talked about Mikey's trade quite a bit, and it, no disrespect to him, we we've made it clear we love him dearly. But if you are the Cavs, the value that you can probably get for a center that doesn't shoot three pointers right now isn't super high. And if you look at how this team is a defensive first team, Allen's a big part of that, and. The juice just may not be worth the squeeze right now because teams may not be high on Allen as a player and the Cavs just may not get a return that they're willing to uh, kind of bite the bullet on. I mean, unless they get like something dramatic, I, I threw a dramatic trade out there, of course, but I just don't see anything tangible really happening. And uh, it just keeps echoing in the back of my head that Kobe Altman said nothing dramatic is going to change for this team uh, this offseason. There's probably going to be some moves on the margins and Allen being traded would definitely be a dramatic trade. I mean, if the Cavs don't make any significant moves, how do we expect them to be significantly better? Just because they're young and they'll grow? I don't know. I'm not feeling good about that. I don't know about you guys. Oh, no. I think that's delusion. <laughs> like, that, like, Kobe Altman, when he says that, like, I, I don't understand oh, why. I, I don't get why people are not understanding the way these new dudes think these young athletes is thinking. They've given you the blueprint of how they're going to make this move. If Kawhi Leonard won a championship in Toronto and then left, what do you think Donovan Mitchell is going to do? Like, you have to actually get to the, to the conference finals and win it for him to say, okay, I might think about signing an extension here. But even with that, Kyrie Irving wanted to leave after they won a championship. That's not going down. I'm just, I don't know what, I don't know what Kobe's thinking about. Am I, am I crazy? He's naive. No, I don't think you're crazy necessarily. You do notice one thing when Kobe talks about their approach and just this rebuild in general is they look at guys who want to be in Cleveland long-term since I love this city. I know you guys do too, but if you were a guy in your early to mid twenties and you had generational wealth on a dotted line and you could pick where you got to live with, it's like Miami, Los Angeles, even New York, if you wanted to. I think I'd lean towards that if I had the option. I think that's that's the beauty and the frustration when it comes with free agency. And you look at teams like Cleveland, they do go get Donovan Mitchell in that trade. And I agree with you, G. Bush. Like, you have to kind of maximize your opportunities here, not just to win now because you've made a win now move to get him, but you're also convincing him, hey, Donovan, you expected to be in New York. A lot of us expected you to be in New York. Why don't you just stick for in Cleveland for the remainder of your career, even though Cleveland isn't home to you like New York is? Mayor Bill sticks in downtown. He's going to be more uh, appealing. Mm. You know? So we we brought Evan on, though, to discuss some Jared Allen trades. Yeah, let's get to these Jared Allen. And we have four of them. The first one, Evan, looks a very similar to one of the ones I presented. Whoa. Apart. So I'll let you go. This is the first Mavs trade. You can take it full, Steve. 196. It's a Mavs trade with Jared Allen, with the Cavs getting Tim Hardaway Jr., JaVale McGee. And a first round pick. Back. What was your trade that was equivalent to this? I, can't I just remember. didn't include a first round pick. I didn't do any picks in mine, so that was the one caveat. So Evans is more realistic in that sense. I, Evan, you want I to explain take, why this I one take makes sense? Good deal. So for me, you're getting shooting in Tim Hardaway Jr., which is what you need the most if you're the Cavs, especially at the wing spot. Javale McGee's a dude that has already played here. Uh, was kind of 
not the coach on the floor because that's disrespectful to what he is as a player, but like was one of those mentors and veterans that the guys just really uh, gravitated to in the locker room and like it could just be a welcome face and also probably a decent enough to be like your third or fourth big off the bench. But the real prize here is that first round pick from Dallas, which is 10th overall right now. And if you're Cleveland, you could take a player if you want to develop him, if you want to do that course, or you can trade back in the draft or use that lottery pick for a team like San Antonio, uh, who wants to trade back into the lottery, maybe add to Victor Vembignano to maybe go pick from some of the younger players that they have at the wing spot that are more NBA ready and ready to help you contend with Donovan Mitchell on your roster. The only thing I'm confused is, I, I, maybe I was, I thought you were saying that Mike's trades were two in the Cavs' favor, and this no, trade no, no, no. Okay, it, it's more so just when he did include the draft picks, and we didn't know that he didn't think of including draft picks at the time. We're like, okay, well, if you're doing this simple of a trade with Dallas, you need to pry that first round pick right. from them you because think, you, you need you need a return to be worth the phone call and the transaction actually happen. Jared Allen is worth the first round pick. For as desperate as Dallas is to make Luca happy, I think they'd be willing to pay that price. I'd sign that, me that's, up. That's actually that's sign actually it, sign it. And, and by the way, I, I you know, and, and if you do get the first round pick, um, somebody get me a Monty Bates on the line. Can we get him? Sign uh, me uh, up. Some, I got said, Evan, you know more about today. basketball than I do. I just doesn't. Mm-hmm. To me, it doesn't make sense that Dallas. Like, especially if Dallas loses Kyrie, they will. Then they're kind of, I mean, they got Luka at nothing, really. So I can't imagine they would trade their 10th pick when they need to build. I mean, I don't know. I mean, Jared Allen has a, like, I maybe were, I, maybe I'm just blown out of proportion to how bad Jared was in the playoffs. And maybe teams think hot, more highly of him. I, I just can't imagine somebody would give up that high a pick for Jared Allen. I, I, I don't know. I hope you're right. I- I think it's it is the Luca factor. I think the Kyrie concern is a real thing too. And if you look at how football operates, if the NBA let their free agency period happen before the draft, I think this would make these decisions a lot cleaner for a lot of these teams. Yeah. I think there's a little bit of fun in the chaos too, and maybe there's a handshake deal or a wink, wink, nudge, nudge behind the scenes in the uh, not so legal uh, tampering period that the NBA goes through all the time. So there there, there is that avenue. You have to wonder what Kyrie's going to do, and I don't think anyone knows what Kyrie's going to do. Not even Kyrie knows what he's going to do at this point. But you might want to take that risk just because Dallas hasn't had a clear answer at center. Like, their solution was JaVale McGee at first, and he wasn't even playing. Um, Christian Wood is a six-man for them, even though he was supposed to be their starting center for a bit. And at least in Jared Allen, and with Luka as the ball hander, like, he's a solid pick-and-roll ball threat. He can give you that defensive presence you need pretty desperately if you're Dallas right now and for Cleveland at least it's more so the question of hey if Evan Mobley's three-point shot doesn't develop and you need some type of spacing you might have to sacrifice it to maximize the potential of what you have between at least Garland Mitchell and Mobley with Allen being that fourth banana in the core four Right, let's go to number two, Mike. The next one's a three-team trade. Evan sent wow, me this. took me forever one. to make the graphic, but Evan, I did it because you asked <laughs> and we love you here. Let's take it full, oh. Steve. In this trade scenario from Evan, the Cavs get McGee, Sheesh. Reggie Bullock, and Keldon Johnson from the Spurs. The Spurs gets Davis Bertans, Akuro Sam Merrill, and a first-round pick. And the Mavs get Jared Allen, Devontae Graham, and a 2025 first-round pick. I don't know half of these people. So well, you should know JaVale McGee, yeah, so it's okay. So JaVale McGee, we all know, he is an older defensive-minded big man who is a rim runner. It can be 
similar to Robin Lopez, but maybe it's more cost-controlled and you can use him as a trade asset. Reggie Bullock is a big, small forward. He's a better shooter than Hardaway Jr. He's more consistent in terms of Dallas' shooters, and I think that's where you can kind of finesse where you're getting this first pick, first round pick from Dallas, and you just parlay that to San Antonio to get Kelvin Johnson, a guy who may not be part of San Antonio's long-term future, but really blossomed as a two-way wing that is really just emphasizes that three-point shooting touch, and he's only 24, 25 years old, I believe, so he fits in nicely with what you're building, and there's still room for him to grow. And then if you're San Antonio, like I said, they're looking to get another lottery pick, and Isaac Okoro is a guy who was starting for a bit, had that knee injury, lost, it looks like, the trust of the coaching staff in the postseason, and has a lot of questions about his shot going forward. You can send him to a situation in San Antonio where they're not expected to be good right away, and they can give him more of that breathing room to develop that he may not have had uh, during his time with Cleveland just because of just how weird his situation has been. And then for Dallas, uh, Devontae Graham is just that extra ball handler. He's not the same type of player as Kyrie, but maybe that's your insurance policy in the event Kyrie walks. You get that rim-running big man, and then just to kind of make the trade a little bit more palatable because you're giving up Reggie Bullock, San Antonio then sends you a future first-round pick in 2025 instead. And then Bertans is was a very good player for Washington, but he was a contract year guy, just putting up insane numbers, then signed a pretty lucrative deal, and now he's just a bad contract. So if you're a team like San Antonio, you're willing to eat that cost because you're looking to rebuild and not play for the playoffs right away, and you get a first-round pick in the top 10 out of it. So yeah. it's a little expansive. I appreciate Mikey making that graphic. When I sent it over, I'm like, there's no way he's going to be okay with this because there were several players on that list. But if you're Cleveland, you're not you. looking to add a rookie yeah. at this point. You're looking to add guys that can – complement what you're building with Donovan Mitchell and these guys and give you that shooting and just perimeter defense just to kind of maximize and play a little bit more of a modern style of basketball. Mikey, we're running out of time, right? Because we got Chris at 1230. Yeah, we got five minutes. Uh, We got two more. Yeah, we got two more real quick. Evan, I do like the the, the premise of that one. I saw Kelly Eco of The Athletic suggested the the Mavs, the Spurs might trade Keldon Johnson to the Rockets for the number four pick in a package like that. So, Johnson, if they could get him, it would be a hell of a fit. He he really good. Like Kelly Johnson's really good. He could play. Yeah. He, yeah. Play, he really plays good. the three? He's yeah. a hybrid 2-3, yeah. He's a wing. Uh, he's not big, up. though. He's only 6-3. Hmm. Oh, yeah. That's a point guard. Go ahead. All right. The fourth trade. You ready? No, this third is a trade. Third, tra- yeah. third, third trade. Excuse me. Yeah. This is a Cavs-Blazers trade. Evan will take it full, and you can explain this one for the people out there. This is a pie-in-the-sky scenario, but you're trying to get that top three pick and then really play with house money at that point. And Portland is a team that is also in a similar vein to Dallas where they don't want to embrace – similar in the fact where they want to appease Damian Lillard and keep Dame there long-term and build around him. And it's pretty well known in the ether at this point that Portland's looking to trade this pick and get some type of return. And this can always expand into a bigger trade as well. But you send Allen to Portland along with Isaac Okoro just as a bit of a sweetener. But then you take back use of Nurkic, who is a little bit more off-injured and banged up than Allen, but provides you some of the similar defensive upside. Nasir Little is a guy who hasn't flushed out much since coming out of North Carolina a few years ago, but is a wing player that provides you three-point shooting and defense. He can play small ball four, but mostly is a two-three player. And then, again, you get that third overall pick, and if you're Cleveland, I couldn't think of what would you do with the third overall pick in the draft. But if you're, like, looking at this and say, okay, we'll take the best wing player available, um, and maybe that's Brandon Miller out of Alabama if you're not concerned about his legal issues off the court. But, like, Miller's a guy that, 
has that prototypical size as a small forward, has a ton of upside, and I think you're more comfortable if you're Cleveland what? saying, okay, we're willing to take a swing on a rookie because we Evan, know he hold can on, hold right on, because we're running out of time and I got to get to this. There is no way on earth the Blazers would trade the third overall <laughs> pick for Jared Allen. That's Come what on I see. I was like, if, if they I have to get better than they could get better deal than that. If the Blazers the took that trade, Dave Lillard go request the trade that it oh, minutes later. All right, let, let's see the fourth one though, Mike. Come on. We got one more. This is a Thunder yeah. deal. Evan, I'll let you walk through it again. Sure. It's similar enough where Oklahoma City has Chet Holmgren coming off an injury. He's going to probably play the four for them, even though he's just so massive as a player, just because he's so frail. You call up OKC and say, listen, we could get this 12th overall pick from you, but we'd like to get Kynrick Williams and maybe Jalen Williams as well. The Jalen Williams thing might be a bit of a reach, but you're looking to get Williams, who's a 3-4 player, provides you shooting and perimeter defense, and then you get the 12th overall pick in the draft, and then again, you could parlay that into another trade, or you can use that to grab a player that maybe you think can contribute right away. All right, I just, I don't know, man. I, it seems like you're, it seems like these, these, I, I just, teams don't like giving up lottery picks. I don't understand why, I don't understand why any team would give up a lottery pick for, and players for Jared Allen. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't well, know. Well, in the case of, like, Oklahoma City, they have... Yeah. Oh my gosh! Almost thirty picks over the next four years, so they gotta right, kind of spend them at some point. But, well, could, you don't think they could get something better than the twelfth pick than Jared Allen? I'm not sure, just because there is a pretty deep drop off after about the top five, maybe six guys in this draft class, and just Portland is such a weird case where they fell off and they want to keep Dame happy and not trade Dame that they're probably willing to talk shop with a lot of teams just to move that pick to again, they're just such an oddly run organization where they just keep moving in this vicious circle where they're like, okay, we're just going to do these things to make Dame happy, but it's just the same formula, just a bunch of different faces. Yeah. All right, Evan. Bottom line here. And I think Evan and I ran into the same thing when we look at this. Jared Allen means more to the Cavs than he probably means to anyone else. And at the end of the day, I'd be surprised at the end of the day if Jared Allen's not in a Cleveland Cavaliers uniform yeah. next season. Sure. Well, I think we'd make any of those trades. I mean, uh, yeah. They, they, they don't give us a first I just, pick. I just don't think any of those teams I would make trade those him. trades. Hey, I don't, hey, what do I know? Hey if, you, hey, if you somehow subliminally put that in the universe and we get it, shout out to you. Yeah. <laughs> we appreciate <laughs> it. All right. Thanks, Evan. <laughs> thanks, guys. Take we'll care. See you later. Evan, we appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Fake trades are so tough because you – Yeah. No one really knows how it's valued. But, I mean, I said it with him. There's no way Portland's trading the third overall pick for Jared Allen. Absolutely. No way. Isaac Okor on Jared Allen? No. I don't even think teams would trade the 10th and 12th If that was the case, I'd run it over there right now. I'm going to be honest with you. After watching the playoffs, I I have a different perspective on the whole roster. Like, there's – like I'm watching. We're getting this. into it tomorrow. Yeah, you know, it's not. Don't it, spill it, the beans too yeah, much. These guys ain't, should be they, here any sec. You ain't getting no money for that. They ain't it, huh? Mm-mm. I hope it. Evan's right, and I hope we're wrong because I mean I'd make any of those trades in a second. Oh, they third over what? A lottery pick for Jared Allen? That's one the one thing re- with the number three pick. Like there were rumors that Portland may package a three pick and someone for Jalen Brown. Like that's the kind of yeah, fish I they're mean, going they're after not. for the third pick in a top four heavy draft. Yeah, I mean, not. listen, I get it. If Portland wants to trade the pick, okay. The, there's no way they can't get something better than Jared <laughs> Allen for that pick. Like I say, if that if that was the case, the Cavs need to take that yesterday. I mean, I, I, you can't beat God, that with it, a bat. And that trade with Oklahoma City, they were getting a good player. What's his name? Jalen Williams, right? It's that's the bad Jalen Williams, though. So oh, they yeah. had two. Bad so they Jaylen. were both solid. Wow. One was first team all rookie. The other one was just solid. That was the solid Jalen Williams. So you, the one with, 
The one with an I is the average one. The so one you're getting a e, solid player and two the solid ten, players and the tenth pick in the draft. Two solid cool. players and the tenth pick in the draft for a guy who played like an absolute bum in the playoffs. <laughs> and Fake it's trades not are like, tough, man. Fake trades are tough. And let me tell you something. It's not like Jared Allen was in the playoffs for the first time and played like a bum. Yeah. He'd been in the playoffs before. Yeah. Jared Allen played gutless basketball in the playoffs. I mean, he got. I don't know why any honestly I'm not maybe I'm crazy and again Evans a Cavs guy so I could be lost in the soup but well maybe he was overvaluing him maybe I was undervaluing him and somewhere know. in the middle is probably where the the truth lies yes what his potential value could be but we do know this with Chris Rose he's setting up right now we will bring Chris on in one oh, okay. sec but in the process of looking at all the potential Allen deals yeah it's kind of like the situation where with Nick Chubb, where in theory he's more valuable to the Browns than he would be to another team. Jared Allen is more valuable, and the return on investment for him is probably not going to make the Cavs I mean, significantly better. That was just a slap in the face to Nick Chubb, what you just said. But it was just, I'm not saying they're equal. I'm just saying the premise of that uh, whole discussion. Uh, okay, I, I guess I agree with that. I don't buy the Jared Allen. Jared Allen... I agree that they're more valuable to their teams than to other teams in the trade. And the story, that's what I said. However, Nick Chubb is way more valuable to the Browns than Jared <laughs> well, yeah, Allen. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. I just meant that they're more valuable to their current team than you would yeah, be. Yeah, I, I'm any still unhappy with that. Trade. I'm unhappy with that comparison Jared, because Nick Chubb's a potential, <laughs> potential Hall of Famer. Jared Allen, Jared Allen is a high-level role guy. He's a high-level role player. He is in reality. Now, he did make one All-Star game. That was an anomaly. It'll never happen So, again. So did Tyrone wow. Hill. Tyler Hero made an all-star no, game. No, no, Tyrone Hill. Who is Who? that? Tyrone Hill. Never heard of it. Yeah, Tyrone Hill used to play for the Cavs. He made it one all-star. Mm. He was like, oh, we got Tyrone Hill. <laughs> Never heard of him. Yeah, I heard of Grant Chris. Hill, not Chris Tyrone. Rose is with us. Let's see where Chris is. Are we going to see Chris? Yeah, we do have Chris. What's up, there Chris? There he is. There Hi, is. Chris. Hi, guys. <laughs> I love hey, John who- Boy, man. <laughs> I like that John Boy jersey you got behind you. Thank you. Yeah. Did somebody say I didn't – I don't remember Tyrone Hill? No, no, no. Uh, yes. Did, Tyvis. He's I've never, young, though. I've never heard he's of never him. Heard, he's never heard of Tyrone Hill. Who is he? I'm missing out. So, Tyrone Hill was a uh, – he was a decent big man. He did make an all-star team for us. Um, what year was this? He played on the – I think he played on the Sixers uh, NBA Finals team sure with did. Iverson. Um and uh, went to Xavier, good, solid player, good dude. Um, I think I remember a great story, reading a great story about him one time. Somebody asked about, like, his one-year anniversary was coming up or something like that, and he had to turn to a PR director. Oh. Chris is on his phone, so if he gets a text, I think he's going to pop out for a sec, which is unfortunate uh, (laughs) downside of VMix. As soon as Chris pops back in, we'll bring him back. (laughs) If you get a text, Tyrone Hill. Tell him to put it on Do Not Disturb. See, he played. He played on. Uh, they had back then. Tyrone Hill, Bob Sir, Wesley Person was on that hill. Mm. Uh, uh, Michael Cage was on oh, that. Michael Cage. Michael yes. Cage was on that roster. We got it back. Who <laughs> was the legend, Ricky Davis? Well, we got to hear the story. Hold on, I want to Chris to oh, tell no. the story. No. Yeah, just that he, I think he had to check with the PR director as to when his wedding anniversary was. Oh. That's always kind of a bad <laughs> sign. Wow. That's funny. Now, Chris, we were talking about, sign. like, potential Jarrett. We just had a guy who does a Cavs podcast, does a good job with that. 
And he's suggesting all these Cavs trades where the Cavs are getting trading Jared Allen for like a lottery pick. In my mind, why would any team give up a lottery pick for Jared Allen? Am I being too overreactionary to how he played in the playoffs? Do you think they could get a lottery pick for him? Well, I don't think it's so much um, how he played in the playoffs, but rather where the sport is. Right. Like, what does what you know? What does um, I love Jared Allen. I love his personality. Defensively, during the regular season, he is an enormous help. But I think when you get to the playoffs, it's a different animal out there, right? Offensively, he's not Bam Adebayo, right? Nope. Uh, and he's definitely not Joker. Nobody is. Other than that, what? seven-footer-ish type guy had a huge impact on the playoffs. They just don't. So, at this point, I understand why we paid him $100 million at the time we did. I love who he is and what he gives the Cavs during the regular season. But if this team's goal is to start winning playoff rounds, plural, then then they're go- they're going to have to look to move him. But I don't I don't see teams giving up a, a lottery pick for him either, unless there's a lot more involved in the deal. Right. And maybe that's possible. Well, you know, Chris, you know, after after the playoffs happen and I'm watching the Cavs and they got Donovan Mitchell and I'm looking at it, I'm like, man, we, we kind of far away. And then I look at the Guardians and I say, okay, well, you know, I, I don't know if we can mm-hmm. win this way playing small ball and not being able to, you know, hit for power. And then I guess I look at the Browns and say, well, it could be a chance that either the coach signs an extension and we love him, or after six games, we're like, oh, we're going to start over with this. I mean, who is the closest as constituted that you would say between the three teams that is the closest to winning a championship? I think the the Browns are the closest to winning it all because if um... – if Deshaun gets back to what he was when they traded for him, at least, you know, perceived to be that way, then they're going to be in a lot of games this year. And I know that the AFC is really, really tough, but there is a lot of talent on this team. And I actually liked the off season that Andrew Barry had. I thought a lot of his draft picks trade and free agent signings made sense for this roster. Um, we're still either probably the third or fourth best team in this division going in, right? You'd have to give the yeah. Bengals mm-hmm. and the Ravens, I think, a leg up. But that doesn't mean that the Browns can't win this division, right? Um, I mean, look at where they, they finished compared to these other teams. It wasn't miles behind. And even though they were a last-place team, they weren't a last-place team like some of these other squads that were out there. Yeah. So they, um, I think they're the closest – the Guardians, I think, have the best shot at the playoffs, as odd as that sounds. Uh, well, I mean, outside, listen, the Cavs are our playoff team. But they've got it feels like they've got a little bit of ways to go before they're true NBA title contenders. Chris, Chris go, go ahead, Doug. Chris, I'll just cut straight to the point. D, <laughs> D-Hop or DPJ? <laughs> I don't know. I mean... I've always loved DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, I think that he's got the stickiest hand to anybody in the NFL. But, yeah, if I had to guess, I would guess that this is DPJ's last year here. 
I just think that at some point you're not going to be able to pay everybody in the way that they drafted, that it, it probably makes sense. But I, I think both those guys would be one-year <laughs> players. Um, I, I know that they're getting more money freed up tomorrow when John Johnson officially comes off the book, but I just don't know if financially if they can reach what they're looking, what he's looking to get out there. But then again, I don't know how many teams can of serious contenders. Mm-hmm. That didn't really answer your question. He's obviously, you know, when he's right, which has been a, a, a little bit now, he's one of the five best receivers in the game. I don't think there's a question about it. So even though he's 31, about to be 31, he still can contribute. I mean, so why wouldn't you take your shot at him? Yeah, I think it makes absolute sense. Chris, I want to get back to the Guardians. Um, we talked about this before. When Savali and and McKenzie about to both come off the injured list. And we know, I mean, Logan Allen and Tanner Bybee have done a great job. We know Bieber's in the rotation. Mm -hmm. We know McKenzie's in the rotation. So, Quantrill's been pretty bad. Obviously, he was awful yesterday. His ERA's now up over five. Savali's been up and down in his Guardians career. If When those guys, when those two come back, if everybody else is still healthy... Who are you booting for the rotation? Is it Savali or is it Quantrill? Hmm. Um, well, I think Savali's got to work his way back, right? He hasn't been great since he came back at the end of last season. Right. So he needs to show that he's healthy and dependable and all that sort of stuff. But one thing that Cal has been is he's been there every five days, and that's a big deal for a starting pitcher. I have said this several times that um, I really think this is the summer that we trade Shane Bieber. And it's not because I don't like Bieber. I love him. I think he's he's done amazing things. And even with his velocity drop, the fact that he still is in just about every start that he goes out there, gives you seven innings, that's huge. But um, I just don't see him getting an extension here. I think that you could get a lot for him coming up uh, at this trade deadline. I think that they could get some serious power back in that lineup. And I think that they could actually kind of turn this thing around on the fly. Bybee and Allen and Gavin Williams, who's the next one in line, like that, there are teams that would drool to have one of those guys. No doubt. We've got three of them. So because of the way that we operate, you have to sometimes deal from a position of strength. The fact that we ha- – we, I mean, we never hit home runs, guys. It is so hard to string together against the type of velocity that's out there. Three or four hits in an inning to get multiple runs instead of just one swing of the bat. It's like they're fighting with one hand tied behind their back, and they know that that's the way it is right now. Chris, I couldn't agree with you more. Now is the time not only to trade Bieber, but to trade him for some proven talent. Like, I'm, no more of these trades for, for minor leaguers. They've got a million minor leaguers. They've got a ton of talent. I think, I was talking about this yesterday, the Cardinals are a perfect trade partner for the Guardians. Mm-hmm. They are loaded with outfielders, right? I mean, they, George, you know, Walker, they, they sent him back to the minors, but Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson, on and on and on. They got all these outfielders. They need a pitcher. And the Guardians need some hitters with some power. I think... A Bieber, you know, as the crux of it being Bieber for Tyler O'Neill or or Dylan or whoever, somebody, maybe two guys from that outfield mix. I think they're good trade partners. I hope that they can get something done like that, and I hope that they just don't trade for a bunch of A ballers. 
the problem is is that is a Tyler O'Neill or you know Alec Burleson are those guys going to put you over the top that that's the question whereas if you get a top-notch prospect who's right on the cusp of that Baltimore's got a couple of kids like I think that today's start for Shane Bieber is huge for for Guardians fans they're going to really want to watch this because if he shines against that team they're a team that feels like offensively and bullpen wise that they could get to the World Series I think they know starting pitching wise they're a little little bit short so if Shane Bieber's available yeah. And you dip into the best farm system. I'm talking about guys that are right there that could be playing in Cleveland right now. Um, that's something you have to look at. Because I, I don't know if those Cardinals guys are the ones that put you over the top eventually somewhere down the line. I, it may be. I get what you're saying. And you're saying, okay, well, we're not trading for A-ballers. We're trading for guys that are ready to come up in the big leagues right now. Speaking of which, Bo Naylor. I mean, he seems to be ready to come up to the big leagues right mm-hmm. now. They've been aggressive, more aggressive the last couple of years with calling guys up. But for some reason with him, I know he was up for the doubleheader, but they, they haven't called him up. They're getting no production out of catcher right now. Are you surprised they haven't brought him up yet? The only thing that we don't know uh, is the greatest unknown, and that is how a guy calls a game and all that sort of stuff. Just... That's a big deal. Like, I can't tell you what catchers do. I've been around them for 30 years at the big league level. Um, but they're a lot like offensive linemen. I know when they suck. Right. I just don't know when they're great. Right. And that is a huge deal. Like, we we would see the four at-bats a night out of Bo Naylor and be like, yeah, dude is ready. But if he's not, then it, it could send your entire pitching staff the wrong direction. And that's the only way I'll defend the Guardians a little bit one is because I don't know. And it's it's the most mysterious position on the team, but yeah, I'm I can't watch Cam Gallagher and Mike Zanino oh. hit 187 and balls are bouncing all over the place, and I'm like I call my buddy Hedgy, I'm like oh my god, yeah. can we can we borrow your 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 ball blocking skills? I know that sounds weird, but you understand what I'm getting. Yeah, so last thing on the guardians here uh, before we hit on a couple other things chris but it, I, I think the trade deadline now obviously we got a long way to go we got two months but right now i mean the only two teams in all of baseball that are completely out of it are kansas city and oakland oakland's got nobody to trade they don't have a single player right ruiz is really their only good player and they're not trading him uh Kansas City, uh, they got to roll this Chapman, a couple guys in their bullpen, but they've really got not much to trade either. Maybe Salvador Perez, I, I, they trade him, I don't know, but the rest of their hitters that are good are all young. So there's almost like the, it, this is a seller's market, but I don't know how many sellers there are. It's, I mean, again, things may change. Maybe the White Sox and the Cubs fall out of it and they have some pieces to change the trade, but the central divisions are so awful that. I don't know that the Cubs or White Sox will completely fall out of it. You got two months still. Yeah, that's true. I know weird stuff happens in this sport in seven weeks. It just does. Fair like enough. teams can lose nine out of eleven, and all of a sudden they're seven games back instead of being two. And then you look at your team, and it's very different. So I, I think you just have to kind of let it play out a little bit more. But as, as of right now, it, do, it doesn't feel like there's a a ton out there right um 
Whereas I think with starting pitchers, there's a few guys out there. There's yeah. a bunch of guys who are going to be free agents that I think will be available, you know. Um, and then I think a guy like Bieber is kind of in his own category, you know, still in his 20s, still with two years of, of control left, and still at the top of his game. So I, I think it's going to be a fascinating couple of months. It's just I'm having a hard time watching this team right now with their inability to brutal hit the ball to the gaps or over the wall. I'm, I'm rooting hard for him. I'm going to see him in person in San Diego in two weeks. But, man, it's just driving me up a wall. Mm. It's tough to watch. Chris, we've seen over, uh, in, on the NBA side of things, a lot of these former NBA champion teams have let their coach go. Do you think J.B. Bickerstaff mm-hmm. is the guy? Are you comfortable with him, or do you think they should explore looking at another coach? So here's where I sit with that. Um, they play – the Cavs have played hard for him the last two years, right? And that is a big deal. In the, the problem is is that they play really hard and they play great defense during the season where everybody goes – when they get to the playoffs, they're like, well, Cleveland is number one in defensive this and that and the other thing. That's in part because the rest of the teams don't give a crap. Mm, They just don't care. They're playing for the fourth time in six nights, and they're like, whatever. And defense was horrible around the league this year. But then when guys are playing for something, when they get to the playoffs, they're like, it's time to crank it up. So then everybody gets to Cleveland's level defensively. We – don't get any easy shots. And I saw um, I saw Miami draw up a play out of a timeout the other day where they got a crystal clear look. And I feel like the last time that happened with the Cavs, Ty Lue was designing plays. Yeah. Like every time we'd come out of a timeout, boom, we'd score. I was like, that guy knows how to design plays. JB and his staff have got to get better at the basketball side of this stuff. They just have to because we every shot in New York felt like like we were in labor. Like it was impossible. <laughs> there was not one shot that was yep. easy. Not yeah. one shot. And that is, to me, that's partially on the coaching staff. So they've got the part down where I think the guys believe in, in the staff, but we don't grow as a staff when it comes to basketball-wise. Because we're getting, I feel like we're getting left in the dust. You know, you know, Chris, a little along the lines of kind of what Tyvis is saying about JB Bickerstaff, and, and I think maybe this is a more question about Kobe Altman in the direction of the uh, of the Cavs organization. So you give up the picks to Utah to get Donovan Mitchell, right? Um, Kobe Altman said, that, you know, they won 51 games. So that's a, a, a big market league. We're not going to make any um, any sweeping changes. But when you look at Donovan Mitchell's contract, I think he has two more years on his deal, um, and, and mm-hmm. you know what that means. We we should know. We got we've been through Kyrie, we've been through LeBron. When you got two years left on your deal, that means you got one year really, because you're gonna have to start thinking about whether or not he's gonna sign the extension. When Kobe Altman says that, hey, we're not gonna make any sweeping changes here. And I'm watching these other teams in the playoffs, and like you said, I'm watching Spolstra with a playing team go on the road to Boston after a heartbreaking loss and, and win that game. You you look at some of the teams like Atlanta. You look at teams like Philadelphia. I'm looking at the Cavs and I'm like, well, they might not be better than any of those teams. And if you're not going to make any sweeping changes, 
how do they go about getting better? Well, I think to say you're not going to make any sweeping changes and to not make any sweeping changes are two totally different things. He doesn't have to tell us the truth. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if so, he'd probably be yeah. the first sports executive in history to tell us the truth. Right. So I would like to see some changes. And I think that if if there aren't changes, then, they, then the Cavs will get left behind. I think there'll be a four or five seed moving forward. Um, as fun as this team was, and they were a ton of fun to watch, it, we had like six guys that could play. And it shocked the hell out of me because at the beginning of the year, I thought there were a lot more guys that could play on this team. Obviously, there was a, a gross miscalculation with the Kevin Love situation because they felt like Dean Wade could fill those shoes. And then at the end of the year, he's pulling splinters out of his ass because he's sitting on the bench. So it, they just they need to get more depth. They need to get more wing heavy. We're already fighting an uphill battle with starting a smallish front court. So defensively, guys are going to bully them. So there has to be changes. Because if not, then you're just – you could be in a 50-win team, but the goal isn't to win 50 games. Right. The goal is to win all those games – in the playoffs. And by the way, when you mentioned Philadelphia and Atlanta, they got their issues. Yeah. They got a ton of issues, both yeah, those true. teams. They, one of them just had the MVP, and they freaking are infighting and getting rid of their coach. And yep. Who knows if that stuff's going to work? That's true, and they choked. They choked, too. Chris, thank you for joining us. We appreciate the time, man. We'll talk to you again soon. Appreciate it, Chris. You got it, guys. Anytime. All right, Chris Rose, he's the best. He loves his Cleveland teams, man. Yeah. He's like, passionate about it. You know, you know, like you said, boy, it's crazy that, you know, you go away. He's been doing national stuff for years, and he still keeps in, in contact. Yeah, I mean, he's locked in on all the yeah, teams. All the he's teams. a diehard. There's no doubt about it. Mikey, tell yeah, us. Yeah, I got one thing I want to read before we do a final takes. I got sent this on Twitter the other day of – 12 things Cleveland Guardians catcher Mike Zanino can do instead of hitting baseballs because he's been tragic. <laughs> one of our so fans far. sent, we won't say who it is. But yeah, one of our fans sent us sent this. I won't, we won't, they asked to be nameless. So this was yeah. from a fan. I'm going to read these. Uh, some are pretty funny. I don't understand all of them. I'll be completely honest. Mm-hmm. But maybe you guys will. So okay. with that, are you ready? Yes. This is, again, the top. Go give me again. These are fan-submitted top 12 things Cleveland Guardians catcher Mike Zanino can do instead of hitting baseballs. Okay. From one fan. Came up with a top 12 list. Number 12. Pursue eBay and bid on the very first Johnny Bench batter-up machine he sees. Okay. All right. I, I like – is eBay still alive? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's still so. out there. Yeah. He's still I like alive. That. He could do that. That's true. It'd be a good, good career choice for him. Okay. Number 11. Of our fans submitted top 12 things Cleveland Guardians catcher Mike Zanino can do instead of hitting baseballs. Rub dirt on his thighs so chicks at the bar thinks he actually contributed to the game. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, yo. Hey, because we know everybody we've been playing with one person who has always done that. You're like, what you down there warming the pictures up for? Get dirty. What you doing rubbing that dirt on your thighs? Bullpen catcher. Ten's political, so we're going to skip ten. We're going to go to nine of our fans. Nope, not going to go there. Uh, number nine on the top 12 things Cleveland Guardians catcher Mike Zanino can do instead of hitting baseballs. Tosk on the mask and chest protector. Grab a really light bat and play the look at me. I'm fencing gag for the rookies. <laughs> okay. Like if you get a that little, one didn't hit for me. If, if you get a T-ball, you, you, you could have said T-ball bat. 
The fe- he fencing. Uh, yeah, I'm, Speaking not, of fencing, I'm not feeling that one. This guy. I Number eight that. on our fan submitted 12 <laughs> yeah. things Guardians catcher Mike Sinu can do instead of hitting baseballs. Fly back to Tampa, catch a ride to Tropicana Field, buy a raise game program, and stare in awe at Christian Bethencourt's stats. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Number seven on our yeah. fan submitted top 12 things Cleveland Guardians catcher Mike Sinu can do instead of hitting baseballs. <laughs> Slide a whoopee cushion onto Terry Francona's chair, then hide behind the Gatorade cooler and wait for <laughs> hilarity to ensue. <laughs> I like that one. Both seems like a whoopee cushion. I, and like, like, would, would Tito get mad at that? Like, <laughs> nah, I think, I don't think you play a little bit. I, 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 for my cushion. son's birthday party, we played, one of the games we played was uh, musical chairs with whoopee cushions. That's, nice. That's actually kind That's of funny, kind of right? That's kind of super funny. Yeah, funny. <laughs> All right, number six on our fan submitted top 12 things Cleveland Guardians catcher Mike Sinu can do instead of hitting baseballs. Stand behind the dugout air conditioner and grunt, Luke, I am your father. <laughs> the back of the that's, a, that's a good one. That's good. I like that one. <laughs> Number five on our fan submitted like top 12 one. things Cleveland Guardians catcher Mike Sinu can do instead of hitting baseballs. Crack up the Latino players by learning how to say, you know, if this were bowling, three strikes would be good in Spanish. Nah, not feeling that one. I'm sorry. Number four on our fan-submitted top 12 things Cleveland Guardians catcher Mike Sinu can do instead of hitting baseballs. Prank call the nearest subway location and demand that Steph Curry make his meatball sandwich. <laughs> well, I would, I would laugh at that. <laughs> like, if I got the call. Like, I had to think about pr- that one for a while. This dude just pranked me. Like, Steph Curry does, does subway. Yeah, commercial. like, yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, I, would, good yeah, I like yeah, that one. Yeah. Also, I'm reading the... Name of the category, just so in case anyone clips this, they know exactly it. what it is. So number yeah. three on our fan submitted top 12 things Cleveland Guardians catcher Mike Sinu can do instead of hitting baseball's list. Instead of batting, play the I bet you can't name another catcher below me alphabetically game with young Guardians fans in attendance. Yeah, he win that. Yeah, <laughs> he win that. Yeah, that's a dope one. Number two on our top 12 things Cleveland Guardians catcher Mike Sinu can do instead of hitting baseball's submitted by our fans. Draw mustaches and alien antennas on pictures of Bo Naylor in the newspaper. <laughs> That's funny. That's a good one. And number one yeah, on funny. our top 12 things Cleveland Guardians catcher Mike Zanino can do instead of hitting baseball submitted to us by our UCSS fans. Commission fan, a fl- fan, one fan, fan. Fan, excuse me. Yeah. Commission a plane to fly by that says, I'm only hitting 170 and you still like me more than Baker Mayfield. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there it is. There it is. That, hey, that, went, that went in on top. That fan knew how to get to me. A targeted number one. That was good. Target. That was Thank good. you to the overall, uh, fan out there for submission. Pretty good. Overall, very pretty good. Very good. Yeah. Two or three in there. I was like, eh, but most of the, you know, we laughed at more the, than half of them. The, 12's the, a lot, the, too. People realize the, that's, that's a lot. 12, that's a lot. The that Steph Curry meatball, the Steph Curry meatball sub, like, that's. I, I give that. Yeah, I like that, too. A quality A minus right there. Yeah, yeah. That was good. I think that was an uh, excellent job overall. Yes, yeah, good job. If you guys have stuff like that and we have a few minutes, we'll, uh, yeah. we'll try to sneak it in. It worked out. Chris Rose had a dip at 12.55, had yeah. a few minutes. 
Uh, overtime, by the way. Yeah, what little are we doing? tease. This is a good one. Mm. We saw the clips from Watson earlier. We're going to show you guys the Browns golf games, and we have our golf expert on the panel today. The one and only Tyvis Powell here, <laughs> and he's going to break down some the of the Cleveland Browns golf swings in a way that no one else First of all, can. I want everybody to know that and although <coughs> I threw the club, my swing was okay, actually. You know, mm-hmm. I had, had It all goes out the window once the club leaves. Even I never <laughs> yeah. want the club out of my hand. Listen. And I'm the worst ha- golfer of all it time. It happens, man. I dropped my boy Cardell off. He went, Cardell went to the, the place where I did this at today. Oh, really? And I told him, yep, if you go if you go out there the whole eight and look at that lake, it's still it's probably still Trying in to there. Buy my club. And it, it wasn't my club. It was somebody else's. somebody else's club. Do we have how much time we got? Ten seconds. Oh, we got no more. All right, we'll see you on overtime. Coming overtime. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.